to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9, 11 a.m. at the main campus and 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening. We hope that God blesses you through doing so. All right, take your Bibles out. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of joy. How many need a little more joy today? How many are just really happy? You're just, you're just happy. I mean, it's going great for you. You got joy. Everything's kind of flowing and working and going super well. That's wonderful. Now, wait till that trial comes. Wait till that test comes. Wait till the adversity comes. And so we're going to look about this, the, the force of joy and what joy is. It's an incredible fruit. Last week we looked at love. So let's stand together and read God's word. So good to have you here today. All of our guests, thanks for coming. Great to have you guys here. And uh, we're just going to have a great time this morning in God's word as we learn about this incredible super fruit called joy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy. Everybody say joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Father, I, I thank you, mighty God, that you have come to give us this fruit in abundance today. The fruit of joy. Thank you, God, that even in adversities and trials, we can still have joy because we can know you. I pray, God, for those here this morning who may be going through those tough times, who may not have all the joy you've talked about in your word. I pray this morning that you would just infuse their hearts and spirit with joy today. I pray this, this fruit will be uh, bountifully seen in every one of our lives, that we might be a blessing to this world. And we love you, God, and we praise you for your word, and we ask all this in your mighty name. Amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look happy today, and then you may be seated. You, you ever wonder why some Christians look so sad? And instead of eating watermelon, it looks like they just have prunes. They just uh, they have that face, they look sad, there's no joy, and... and and, you know, I jotted down maybe a couple of reasons why this can be epidemic among believers in particular. First of all, that, that, that we tend to go to two extremes. The one extreme is legalism. And that if you're in church, if you're uh, legalistic, then you can't be happy. Then you see God as a mean, punishing, bad God up there. And if I get out of step, he's going to uh, send that lightning bolt down. I'll be a crispy critter, and bam, I'm gone. And, you know, you just have this concept of a, of, a, of a God that I somehow never can please. There's always something wrong about me, something God doesn't like. And, and because of that, a legalism will steal your joy away. And then the, the other extreme is license. License basically is looking for joy in all the wrong places. It says I can do whatever I want to because I'm free in Christ Jesus. And so you go to those extremes and, and you, you look for your joy. You look for happiness in all the wrong places. You look for it in the worldly pursuits of life. And what happens is worldliness will always leave you empty. It will never satisfy that deep 
longing in your heart and spirit for true biblical joy. It will leave you unfulfilled. And so here's the dilemma. Some of you have just enough religion to take all the joy out of life. And others don't have enough fellowship with Christ Jesus to experience true joy. And and those are the the two extremes we see on this spectrum. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, you you see uh, he's talking about some religious folks. And you begin to see how their joy, they didn't have the joy, and yet where joy comes from. Mark 2 and verse 18, now John's disciples and Pharisees were fasting. Fasting is a great discipline, but it's hard. And you're not smiling a whole lot when you're not eating. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples fast and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Now, the the Pharisees, very religious, fasted regularly. John's disciples, very aesthetic, uh, uh, very serious, very somber and fasted regularly. But he says, Jesus, your disciples, they're not fasting. What gives here? Jesus answered, how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. Joy is found in the presence of the bridegroom. I've done a lot of weddings over the years as a minister and uh, been to a lot lot of weddings, and, and I've never really... Just about every time, the bride and groom are happy. They're excited. Tonight's the night, you know, and, and, uh, and so there, there's joy, there's excitement. The, bride, the, the, the weddings, there's, there's cake and there's, there's all this fun going on. You don't find people sad typically at weddings. And because we have a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, because he lives inside of me and I am married to him, betrothed to him, I can rejoice. I've got Jesus. Got reason to celebrate. Joy. Now, now, now joy is this incredibly powerful fruit. And the reason this fruit is so powerful is joy gives us power to overcome. Through joy, I win. Through joy, I overcome. Through joy, I have victory. How do you respond in the midst of suffering? How do you respond when when your friends turn against you and and, and the persecution comes and they harass you? How how do you respond when you go through a lengthy trial? Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And look at verse number 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that he may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Now, it doesn't seem like the words suffering and joy should go together, does it? When you think about it, those two words just don't seem to go together. I found this definition of a trial. A trial is an attempt by the enemy to steal something of value from the believer. I like that. A trial is an attempt 
of the enemy to steal something from the believer, whether it's in his finances, whether it's in his health, uh, whether it's a loved one, uh, whether it's some other good thing. Uh, the, the, the enemy is a joy thief, and he is coming to try to steal that away from you. Uh, and He's trying to take it away. But Isaiah 12 and verse 3 says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Uh, joy is that bucket uh, that allows me to tap into all the resources of God and draw up anything I need in this life. Joy enables me to draw down in the wells, whatever might be lacking, wherever I'm hurting, wherever there is suffering, wherever there is pain. With joy, I can deep down into those wells and draw up waters of salvation. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, look at verse number 2. Here again you see this trials and joy working together. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work that it may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now the word there in the King James Version is the word patience. That your trials and suffering develop patience. The word in the NIV that I read to you earlier is the word perseverance. They both have the idea of endurance. Now, what the word of God says is in Christ Jesus, I can praise God throughout the duration of my trial because I know God is working something for my good. And in the end, that trial produces endurance And so some people are joyful for the short haul, and they can hang in there for just a little bit, uh, and then the trial or test comes their way, and they're fine for a while, but then they lack the strength and endurance to be joyful for the long haul. And after a while, they start with joy, but the joy begins to wear thin. And we're not so happy anymore, and we're not so joyful anymore, and it's not too long before that joy disappears Altogether. And it's only a matter of time before the full weight of that trial and test bears down upon us uh, and we find ourselves with absolutely no joy whatsoever. He says, Know that the trying of your faith produces endurance. So that you can not only have joy in the beginning, but you can have joy at the end and throughout the entire duration of your trial. Now, how can this happen? Because joy is not based on my feelings or circumstances. My joy is based on Christ Jesus, not what's going on around me. And the Lord is always good. The joy is given by God and resides deep in my spirit. It is a fruit of the spirit of God. It's the fruit of the indwelling Christ inside of me. So that tells me no matter what may be going on the outside, uh, inside, I can have this seed of joy, this fruit of joy uh, that through perseverance will grow and actually spring up and get stronger because I have the Lord Jesus Christ. I have the bridegroom. Psalm 105 and verse 37. He brought out Israel laden with silver and gold, and from among their tribes, no one faltered. Now, he's describing the nation of Israel. 
You know, when they left Egypt, they literally plundered Egypt, and they took everything the Egyptians had. But there's an interesting phrase that says, and no one faltered. Now, what was the source of their strength? How could they come out of Egypt and not one person, and there were old people in the crowd, and there were young people in the crowd, and there were children in the crowd, and there were about two million that came out of the land of Egypt, and it says, no one faltered or stumbled uh, as they came out. What was the source of their strength? Well, you go down a few verses later, and it says in Psalm 105, verse 43, he brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen one with shouts of joy. God knew what it would take to give his people strength to overcome their adversity, to overcome the wilderness, to overcome the trials and tests they would face along the way. And what it would take to overcome that is joy. Joy is that fruit that helps us overcome any situation, any difficulty, any trial, any test. It is a powerful fruit of the Spirit. Joy. Incredible. It was joy that enabled Christ to endure. Listen to Hebrews 12 and 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was the joy that gave Jesus Christ the strength to endure. It was joy that gave him the ability to overcome. And the Bible says, let us look unto Jesus, uh, the author and finisher of our faith. He's our example. Joy is an incredibly powerful fruit uh, because it enables us to overcome any trial, any test, any difficulty. Now, this morning, my message is on joy. and And the Spirit of God would say to each one of us, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Some of you may be right now crossing your arms sitting back, saying, preacher, that's easy for you to say. You don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know how bad my finances are at home. You don't know how messed up my relationship is. You don't know uh, what it's like on the job every day and the persecution I face day in and day out. That's easy for you to say, but you don't know what I'm going through. And I may not know what you're going through, but I will tell you, the Lord Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. Uh, He was in all points tempted like as we are. He knows what we experience. Uh, He knows what it's like to feel the pressure. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by one of his best friends. Uh, He knows what it's like to experience loneliness uh, when he hung on the cross and cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He has experienced more pain uh, than we will ever experience in our entire lifetime. Uh, And so he knows exactly what you're going through. You're not alone. He knows. And just as he, the Bible said, for the joy that we set before him endured, uh, we can also have that same joy that will help us to overcome. Listen to Isaiah 51 and 3. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all their ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. 
even in the painful realities of life, God is able to come along and give us that joy, that fruit of joy that will help us prevail and overcome. Joy. Paul, Philippians is just that entire book about joy. And uh, it's the theme of the book. Keep in mind, when Paul wrote Philippians, he's in a prison cell. He's in a Roman prison cell. And what does he write? Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Helps you to overcome. It's only through the fruit of joy, and that's why it is such a powerful fruit, that we can overcome those adversities and trials and tests and temptations that come our way. Now, Every one of us here know, and I've shared a lot of scripture with you already, know that we are supposed to rejoice. Some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor, how do I just turn it on? I don't, I'm depressed. I got anxiety. I'm hurting right now. How do I just flip the switch and turn on joy? I like what you're saying. I wish I had the joy. I wish I was happy, but I'm just not Where does it come from? And so I guess my second point is simply this. How do we in our lives then cultivate that fruit of joy? Where does it come from? How is this fruit developed? Well, let me give you three things this morning. First of all, number one, you've got to develop your faith. There is a very close connection with faith and joy. Okay? Joy and faith stand together. If you are weak in faith, then you will be unable to count it all joy when you go through trial because you don't have a solid faith that God is able to take care of you and deliver you. Right? If your faith is weak, when the trial comes, how can you count it all joy? You won't be able to. Now, where does that faith come from? Romans 10 and 17 Faith cometh from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. If your faith is weak, how is it strengthened? Through the word of God. And you strengthen your faith, and your joy will begin to grow and be cultivated in your life. Isn't that good? Listen to John 15, 11. I got several scriptures here. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Uh, Paul, uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples. I've told you this. I've given you my words. Why? So your joy might be complete. How does my faith grow? How does my joy grow? Through hearing the word of God. Listen to 1 John 1 and 4. We write this to make our joy complete. Now, it's better translated, we write this to make your joy complete. And so, Paul, uh, John is saying, we are giving you these words, I'm giving you all of this, so your joy will be complete. Uh, how can our joy be complete if we don't read the word? Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. When your words came, I ate them, and they were my joy and my heart's delight. For I hear your name, O Lord God Almighty. Listen, if you are here this morning and you are saying, Pastor, I just don't have that joy today. I'm hurting. Trials. Weary. Wore out. 
I would ask you one very simple question. How much time are you spending in the Word of God? Because as you get into the Word, your faith is strengthened. And when your faith is strengthened, you will have the joy of the Lord because you understand the presence of the bride. Both joy and faith, the bridegroom, both joy and faith stand on the solid foundation of the eternal word of God. They stand together on that foundation. If you are more diligent in getting into the word and then increasing your faith, you will have more joy and the necessary strength to overcome your test and your trials that come your way. With joy in your heart when the trials come, the believer then can declare, my God is faithful. How can you make that declaration? Because you've been in his word. You understand his character. You know what he's like. And so you can declare, my God is faithful. My God is good. Therefore, I can rejoice. Even in the midst of adversity. Listen to 1 Peter 1 and 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Now, though you have not seen him, you love him. What's the word for that? Faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So Peter writes, though you have not seen him, you love him. That's faith. Even though you do not see him now, you believe. What's that? Faith. In him you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious Joy. Faith precedes joy. As I have faith, the fruit of joy will grow in my life. Saturate the seed of joy in the spirit with the word of God. You water that with the word of God. That faith takes root in your heart and life and joy will rise to the surface. Develop your faith. Number two. How can you have this joy? Give yourself away. Now listen to me, guys. Give yourself away. That's the true secret of joy. Romans 14 and 17 talks about joy. He talks about the kingdom of God. Listen to it. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, When it talks about the kingdom of God, anywhere you see the phrase kingdom of God in Scripture, he is actually talking about the rule and reign of God, right? You have a kingdom, you have to have a king. So when he talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, he is talking about in the word of God the rule and reign of God. God is alive and he is in control. And so when I line myself up with the will of God, then he gives me joy because I am in alignment with his kingdom. Follow me? The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. As I align myself up with the will and purposes of God, joy becomes the byproduct. John 15, I don't have time to go into all of it, but he talks about the fullness of joy. He says the fullness of joy comes out of three things, abiding in Christ Jesus, keeping his commandment, and continuing in his love. And if I will do those things, if I will abide in Christ, keep his commandments, and continue in his love, the byproduct of that is joy. Now, let me make it simple. Let me boil it down for you. To the extent God controls my business, my home, my relationships, my interest, my service, is the extent I will experience his joy. Run that by you again. To the extent God controls his kingdom rules, 
His kingdom reigns in my business, in my home, in my finances, in my relationships, in my service unto God, to the extent he rules in that area is the extent I will experience his joy. Now let me tell you the reverse of that. Selfishness chokes out the fruit of joy. We think we, we, we will find the joy by finding myself. When I find myself and when I please myself and when I make myself happy and when I, when I give myself a break, then that's where the joy is going to come from. In fact, actually, it is the reverse that is true. Selfishness in the life of a believer will choke out joy. Paul writes to Philippians. He says in Philippians 2 and 17, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on a sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I will be glad and rejoice with all of you. In other words, Paul says, the more I give myself away, the more I experience the joy of the Lord. Because I'm rejoicing with you. I'm seeing God work in your life. Give me one, let me give you one more. This is good. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. What is our hope? our joy, or the crown in which we will all glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Paul gave himself to the Philippians. He gave himself away to the Thessalonians. And the Bible says, as I gave myself away, I received joy back in return. Because I saw what God did in your lives. Many do not have joy because they are self-centered. And and I think even that is amplified during times of trial because somehow in those times of trial, we begin to withdraw into self-pity, self-absorption, self-centeredness, and we excuse it by saying, it's really, really bad out there. You don't know what I'm going through. And me, 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 it's all about me. And we withdraw and we have this marvelous pity party. During those times, if you want to get out of that, minister to somebody else. Pray for somebody else. Uh, Give some money away to somebody else. Uh, Touch somebody else. Uh, That'll get you out of the mully grubs. Job 42.10. And Job had prayed, and went after Job had prayed for his friends, look, notice the word after. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. Deliverance came, only came after he began to pray for his friends. Up till Job 42, it was all about him. Why am I going through this trial? Why am I facing this test? Why have I lost everything around me? It was all about Job, but then all of a sudden, he turns his attention and begins to pray for his friends, and after that, it opened up the door of God's blessing. As we learn to give ourselves and sacrifice to others, uh, then the fruit of joy is developed in my own life. Isn't it neat the way God works? Turn to John chapter 3. I want you to get this one. This is, this is important. John 3, verse 27. John the Baptist. Listen to what it was said, what he said. John, John 3 and 27. To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. 
you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I'm ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That that joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Now listen to me. John says, I'm the forerunner. They were saying, aren't you jealous of Jesus? All these other guys are following Jesus. They're leaving you behind. Uh, He says, this has made my joy complete. He says, as I lift up Christ, as I glorify Christ, as I lead the way for him, as I give myself away, as I decrease, he increases. And the more I decrease, the more the fruit of the joy grows in my own heart and life. And he says, in this, my joy is complete. That fruit of the spirit of joy was full in John's life. Why? Because he gave himself away. It wasn't about him. It was all about Christ. It was all about pointing people, men and women, boys and girls, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you get out there and you start pointing people to Jesus Christ and you start loving them and you start ministering their needs and you start reaching out to them in some way and you give yourself away and you begin to decrease and Christ is increased in your life, then the joy comes. That fruit will be complete and mature as you give yourself away. Give yourself away. And third, how do we cultivate that fruit of joy? Seek God's presence. Seek God's presence. Turn to, turn to Psalm 16. Psalm 16 and verse 8. Or, uh, yeah. Verses 8 to 11. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now, how do we come to understand and know his presence? Obviously, when you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ comes and he lives inside of you. But, but so often we don't realize that he's there and we ignore his presence in our life. But how do I draw closer to the Lord? How do I spend time getting to know him? Well, we learn that in James 4 and 8. Come near to God, and he will draw near unto you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's three things, he says, we need to do to come into his presence. Number one, he says, come near. Come near. Take the initiative. Seek the face of God. Spend time in his presence. Uh, Talk to the Lord. Uh, You can pray to him anytime, morning, noon, or night. Listen, God is not selective. Whosoever will may come into his presence. Not just the high priest. Not just one day a year. But the Bible said, 
We are a royal priesthood. We are a chosen generation. We are a peculiar people. And so I now can come nigh unto the Lord through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do I do that? The Bible says I enter into his gates with thanksgiving and I come into his courts with praise. And through praise and worship and thanksgiving and prayer, I can come anytime into the presence of the Lord. And as I come into his presence, I understand fullness of joy because in his presence is fullness of joy. Number two, he says, wash your hands. In James 4 and 8, wash your hands. Now, trying to come before God with unconfessed sin is a problem. If you've got sin in your life that you're dealing with and you have not yet confessed that before the Lord, you can't come into his presence. So he says, wash your hands. Make sure you're clean. Isaiah 59 and verse 2 says, but your iniquity has separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not here. So as long as I'm covering over sin in my life, I can't come into his presence. Therefore, I can't experience his joy. But Jesus Christ makes it easy for you to cleanse your hands. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I can say, God, I'm sorry. God, I blew it. God, I I did this or I did that. Please take it away. Sorry I hurt you. Sorry I disobeyed. And when you do that, that's washing your hands uh, that enables you to come back into the presence of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the priest, when they would come in to offer sacrifice, one of the, the, the things they had in the outer court was the labor. The labor was this great big brass full of water. And before they would offer the sacrifice, they would go over and they would wash their hands. And they would wash their hands. And, and what happens is the labor, the, was, well, the water was so still in that labor, they could look down into the labor and see their imperfections and see their reflection inside the labor. The labor for the child of God is like the Word of God. And as we look into the Word of God, we see our imperfections uh, and we see our impurities. Uh, and so, but I can wash my hands uh, by repenting and once again come into the Holy of Holies. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 30. The labor is that symbol of God's Word uh, that allows us to examine and judge ourselves and makes us aware of our sin. uh, And then I ask Christ to forgive me and my hands are cleansed. Incredible joy comes from knowing all of my sins are forgiven and they are gone. Sin alienates. Sin separates me from God. Sin brings grief. Sin brings guilt, and Satan will use this and just weigh on you and and thrash you over and over again because Satan is a joy thief. But turn to Psalm 51, look at verse number 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, you know this story. This is written right after David had had his affair with Bathsheba. 
David is the king of Israel. David is the one whose uh, throne is going to last forever. And there's this Davidic uh, promise, covenant that he makes with David. Of your throne there will be no end. And yet he commits a grievous sin, commits adultery, uh, commits uh, murder to cover it up. And so he comes back to God. And it's after that he gives us this beautiful psalm, Psalm 51. Restore unto me the joy my salvation create in me a clean heart cleanse me and i shall be whiter than snow that is a great psalm for any single one of us who have hurt god and sinned against him and when we confess that the joy will come back again and the third thing he says is purify your hearts he goes on to say you double-minded in other words if you want to really experience the presence of God, you've got to give the Lord your undivided attention. And so he talks about a oneness of heart or a purity of heart that is not double-minded, not duplicitous, not going two ways, not chasing after God and mammon or not chasing after God and stuff. It's an undivided heart unto God and God alone. Now turn to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 and verse number 10. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill the gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart there's there's that uh uh purify your hearts seek me with all your hearts don't be double-minded you'll find me when you're sincere when you seek me with all your hearts i will be found by you declares the lord and then he says listen to this and i will bring you back from captivity now when we seek the lord with my whole heart I begin to experience his presence in an incredible way. And even though I may be in captivity to my surroundings uh, and my circumstance uh, and my difficulties uh, and my challenges, God will bring me forth out of my captivity. Uh, Listen, it wasn't until Israel was in Babylon they began to seek the Lord again. They're in captivity for 70 years, but through the prophets in that pagan land, they began to seek God. And because they began to seek God, the Bible says he delivered them out of their captivity. When you seek me with your whole heart, undivided heart. Listen, when we come together in faith assembly of God, you're coming here on Sunday morning, not primarily to see your buddies, and it's great to see our friends. But you are coming with one mindset that I am coming to faith assembly to seek the Lord with all my heart. Now listen, I, I want to challenge you. You seek the Lord with all your heart all week long. And then we come together as the body of Christ. And we've been seeking in his presence all week long. And I come together. There will be such a celebration of joy in this place. That will be incredible, and it will drive out fear and anxiety and depression and anything else. Anything that's holding you captive can be released. You can be set free 
Only as you seek the Lord with your whole heart, deliverance will come. Now, right now, listen to me. Every one of us, in some ways or another, are living in Babylon because this is not our home. Heaven's our home. So we're living surrounded by a pagan environment. This life and world, though, listen to me, is not all there is. Uh, One day our deliverance from planet Earth is coming. And so Paul writes in Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope. Joy is also tied to my hope in Christ Jesus. So, brethren, sistering, when everything around us in this world seems to be falling apart, a Christian still can grow in joy. We get that perspective from the Word of God. And when I get back into the Word of God, it tells me God is in control. God is good. We win. We overcome. Therefore, in His presence, I can still have joy. God is waiting for His people to cultivate this fruit of joy so that we can overcome. Joy enables us to overcome. And when I overcome, I become a witness to the rest of the world. And they'll see that luscious fruit in our lives, uh, and then we can say, like the psalmist, taste and see that the Lord is good. Listen, there is no greater way you can impact your workforce, the people you're around, uh, your friends and your neighbors, uh, when you will have that just that glow of the joy of the Lord. Uh, and not only when times are good, uh, but when you have that joy and glow of the Lord Jesus Christ, even in bad times, uh, your friends are going to say, listen, why are you different? What is it you got? I want that. And that fruit will be seen luscious and complete and mature and abundant in our life. And then we become powerful witnesses through that fruit of the Spirit to reach our world. Hallelujah. Joy. What a great fruit. Coke cut some watermelon open this week. And every time you eat that watermelon this summer on July the 4th or whenever it is, just be reminded of the joy of the Lord and this fruit that he wants to abound in us. Fruit to overcome. Hallelujah. How do I get it? Give yourself away. Don't don't turn inward. Abide in his presence. Get into the word of God and let your faith grow. As you begin to do that, that luscious fruit will be cultivated in your life. And joy will be complete in you. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Ask the musicians to come on up to the front. Now listen to me. I, I You know, at any given time when I preach on Sunday, in a congregation this size, there are, there are people who are struggling with stuff and junk. And the enemy is coming in and trying to rip you off of your joy. He wants you defeated. He wants you discouraged. He wants you down. And so he is a joy thief. The thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Life to the full. Life filled with joy. That's why I came. But the enemy tries to steal that joy, and he will do that through trials and tests and tribulation and difficulties, and we go through it, and we're not happy, and we're depressed, and we're down, and it's just, it's just hard. Well, when you're, listen, when we're in the middle of a pity party, sometimes we just want to wallow and stay right there. And it hurts. But God wants to pull you out and give you his joy today. 
Now, I know some of you are going through it, and you're going through hard times. You're going through difficulties. We're going to pray for you this morning that the enemy is not going to rip you off. He's not going to keep you down. He's not going to win, but that through Christ Jesus, we will overcome. Now, first of all, let me say this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you start by asking him to come into your heart and life. You've got to begin by saying, Jesus, I need you. Come in and save me. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And when you pray that prayer, when you mean it with all your heart and you give your life to God, Christ comes in. Christ comes in. He lives inside of you. And he gives you with that his gift of everlasting life. So if if you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you to come with others who are going to be coming to pray and seek the Lord up here. We're going to invite our altar workers to come right now. And uh, we're going to sing a few songs of joy. And, uh, but listen, if you need prayer today and you're going through a rough time, I don't want anyone leaving with their head hanging down, discouraged, broken, saying, how can I get it? Where is it going to come from? What's, going, what's wrong with me? Listen, you can be set free this morning. You, he can deliver you from your captivity as you turn your heart to the Lord and seek him with all your heart. So we're going to just come and seek the Lord today. So if you need joy, you're hurting. To the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9, 11 a.m. at the main campus and 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening, and we hope that God blesses you through doing so.